Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about unnecessary Bachelor Nation feuds and the fuckboys of Temptation Island. And honestly, the fuckboys, fuckboy of the courtship, they're they're everywhere. They're a scourge. The two of us are going at it solo this week, and we're going to dig into all the Bachelor news and all the dating show drama. Before we begin, we did want to take a moment to talk about something much more serious because it just feels really important for us to, you know, acknowledge the things that are going on outside of TV worlds um, on this show. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of really horrifying things happening in the world right now. And so we're often paying attention to things that are much more serious and much more dark than, than what we're watching on, on these TV shows. And I'm sure that you have all heard about what happened over the weekend on May 14th. A racist mass shooting occurred at a Topps Friendly Market supermarket in Kingsley, which is in Buffalo, New York. Um, it is a predominantly black neighborhood. Ten people were killed and three others were injured. Eleven of the victims were black. The shooter um, is a white man who has publicly espoused really virulent white supremacist views, including the Great Replacement Theory, um, and he live-streamed the attack on on Twitch. So it was a, a really, really shocking, really horrifying and violent event. Absolutely horrifying and shocking in its terror and also, unfortunately, in this country, given where we're at, in some ways not shocking at all, which only, frankly, adds to the horror. Mm -hmm. And we really want to encourage everyone listening, if you are able to, 
to donate directly to the families of the victims. Uh, There is an official GoFundMe page that has sort of, it's sort of a hub for all of the verified fundraisers for victims and the families of victims uh, of this shooting. And we are going to link that page in our show notes. And I also just want to say that this is a really chilling and important reminder of how important and essential anti-racist education is and exactly why the fact that the right wing in this country has a very pointed vendetta against, you know, quote, critical race theory, but really any discussion of race and racism in schools and any acknowledgement of the racist history that this nation was built on. Um, Exactly why that vendetta is so fucking chilling, because this obviously paired with the fact that guns are incredibly accessible in this country um, creates a really a really fertile breeding ground for the right-wing radicalization of white people and especially white men. And um, that can have incredibly deadly results for entire communities. Yeah. I mean, we're really seeing right now what seems to be like an escalating terror campaign um, by white supremacists against um, black people, people of color, Jewish people in in this country. And that's very deeply rooted in American history. So it's so important that we are able to to learn that history and teach our children that history and and hopefully not slip slip deeper and deeper into that that dark dark part of this country um so we really encourage everyone to follow this story to help the families and and to you know be part of change for the better um and there's, I mean, this is just not what we cover on the show. It's, it's a much, uh, a much more serious topic. There's no easy way to to pivot back out of this. As we said last week when we talked about abortion rights, um, what we're going to talk about now is going to be much more lighthearted. Um, but we're paying close attention to this, and we hope that you are all as well. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. As Claire said, there is no elegant way to do this, but we feel that it is worth the awkward tonal pivot in order to be able to use this show and this platform to kind of organize as a community um, and and fight for positive change in this country. So on that note, gossip. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> on that note, let's talk about people fighting about podcasts, which, <laughs> I mean, we are in a hiatus point in Bachelor Nation right now. So obviously, the hottest gossip round is going to be Bachelor Nation podcast based. Like, that's just where we're at in the news cycle. Basically, Blake Horseman um, <laughs> posted an Instagram story recently uh, saying that he had told Bachelor in Paradise potential cast members to be careful with any official Bachelor pod hosts on the beach. He said, quote, they are ABC employees and will always get a good edit, so don't go against them or date someone they have their eyes on. He added also that they should not even be allowed on the beach after last season. And... This caused a bit of a stir. Um, For those who are not familiar with Blake's history, Blake was kind of the golden boy coming out of his season of The Bachelorette. 
and then went on Bachelor in Paradise and took a total nosedive right into the sand because he, it turned out, had hooked up with like two to three women who were also coming to Paradise at Stagecoach, this giant country music festival. He had just been like- He was not tactical. He was the playboy of Stagecoach. And it came back to bite him in the ass on the beach. And- you know, I think that in retrospect, we can all look back and say, it doesn't seem like Blake is a monster, but he came in for some really tough critiques at the time, which I think maybe I would hope helped him to grow. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I I hope so. You know, we hope. We can tell ourselves that. Uh, he seems fine. Yeah. Um, he's, he's thriving now. Um, and... Now he is going about, like, offering his wisdom to other BIP potential cast so that they don't get a bad edit like he did. Of course, this does cast some pretty direct aspersions at the people that he was referencing. There are not that many people (laughs) who host official Bachelor podcasts. I mean, And also, like, Mike Johnson and Brian Abasolo— we're not on the beach. Right. So. Like, not all of them are going to be on the beach. Um, some of them are, you know, married, for example, or they're just not involved, really, with with being on the, the show proper anymore. But we're talking about, in the case of this past year, Becca Kufrin. We're talking about Joe Amabile. We're talking about um, Tia Booth, we're talking about Natasha Parker, who did end up getting into some pretty big drama on the beach, out of which she did come looking much better than the other people involved. Um, Natasha is one of the hosts of Clickbait. And she did not take too kindly to Blake's comments. No, 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 no. On an episode of Clickbait, I guess Kate Gallivan was a guest. She mentioned that she'd gotten some advice about Paradise from an alum at Stagecoach. <laughs> Who could it be? Who could it be? It was and Blake. Natasha <laughs> went off. She said Blake should shut his effing mouth and shouldn't give anyone advice on Paradise. And she really seemed to take the initial comments as a specific dig at her, which I— I do understand because, again, there was not a lot of people, and she was given a rose by production. Um, And she basically said, don't villainize me. She got some blowback on this, and she ended up following up on her Instagram stories and saying, I don't agree with what Blake said because in my situation specifically, and yes, I am sensitive about it because it happened to me, So by saying that I am going to get a good edit because I have a podcast, you could get a bad edit if you mess with me. And to be careful of me, you're basically villainizing me because I have a podcast instead of holding the toxic people accountable. That's where I have a problem. If you're taking what Blake is saying and you're rallying behind it, you're basically excusing toxic behavior. Yeah. Um, Which (laughs) I I really hear her. Like, honestly— Like, for those who may not have watched or who don't remember, what happened with Natasha is that another golden boy from a a past season of The Bachelorette came on to the beach, really devoted himself to to her, 
and gave her roses, made it seem like they were developing a real connection, Brendan. And then when another young lady came in, Piper, Piper Who James. he had been at least casually dating yeah. beforehand. And it was known that they had been seen together. He dropped Natasha like a hot potato. And it was really obvious to everyone that Natasha had been used, including to Natasha. And it was really hurtful. And it was, I think, toxic behavior. And the fact that, the fact is that here we have, you know, production has their interests. The different contestants have their own interests. I don't think that anyone here is completely pure as the driven snow. Um, just because no. you're not on productions, you know, in productions good graces doesn't mean that everything you do is harmless and sweet. Um, but at the same time, just because you happen to have productions backing for whatever self-serving purposes they have doesn't mean that you don't deserve respectful treatment. Yeah, I think ultimately where I come down on this is that kind of both things can be true, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I understand Natasha's defensiveness, and I do think that she was put in a position to really be, like, embarrassed and treated like crap in a lot of ways on VIP. And she was sort of almost, like, rewarded for surviving that shit, and that was— doesn't make it less humiliating. And so I understand why she would be sensitive about it. On the other hand, telling Blake to shut his fucking mouth feels like a little uncalled for. I think Blake has every right to like give people advice, to be honest. And I also think that there is a specific sort of like vaunted space that official Bachelor Nation podcasts hosts occupy. Um, You know, I was reading, like, we know that there are things like Becca was able to take, like, breaks. Like, there, there, there's definitely, like, special treatment yeah. that some of these people might get. I mean, get. I hear that. And I do think that, like, it's a conflict of interest. I don't think the show should do it. But I also think that it's just an easy signifier, for for something that is true with or without the podcast, which is production decides they want some people to get good edits and other people they don't. And they have favorites. Yeah. They have people that they really want to come down and so they'll give them perks. They have people that they're not so sure about and so they'll throw them on the beach at the last minute and screw them over, give them a bad edit. And so in a way, it's almost like Natasha felt, I think, probably singled out for a phenomenon that is just part of the Bachelor DNA, which is some people are going to be chosen by production to have like a light shown on them. And yes. And that's just some like, people are not that's the name of the game. As as Joe has said, like um sometimes, you know, it just depends on who you are on the show, whether you get an edit or not. That's up to production. Um I mean, I think that Joe interestingly stayed out of the larger conversation around this, even though I think that he was much more than Natasha, someone that people have credibly accused of acting toxic on the beach because he really took the lead in instigating some some other conflict with other contestants on the show and t- taking on the role of the enforcer. Right. I was going to say, I think it turned into this, like, feud almost between Blake and Natasha, but I don't think that Blake's comments were necessarily, like, predominantly meant to be about Natasha. Like, I almost could see Joe being 
a more prime example of this. Yeah. Because he he did, he was able to really, you know, he was first on the beach. He was able to kind of take the lead in kind of bullying to an extent, like Chris and Alana off mm-hmm. the beach, even if they did perhaps, Chris specifically acted in some uh, less than ideal ways and screwed some people over. Mm-hmm. But like Alana got kind of caught in that crossfire when she really didn't do anything um, yeah. and was treated pretty shittily. So I don't know. I kind of think like everyone's right and everyone's wrong in this yeah. situation. I also just wanted to bring something else up, which is um, a newsletter from Ash Talks Batch, which if you don't subscribe, I always enjoy it when it arrives in my inbox. And she sent out um, a newsletter this week about this controversy, basically just pointing out that, you know, regardless of what other issues are at play here regarding, like, the the privilege of having a podcast and production on your side in that sense, um, no one is really taking into account in this conversation what what other ways the show has historically played favorites and the fact that as a dark-skinned Black woman on the beach, Natasha was really exposed to some quite unpleasant dynamics um, that that created her bad experience and that put her in this really bad position. And Blake, you know, sort of mocked her after her podcast comments. He posted something like, oh, she got a rose from production – as a comment on someone's post about this and just kind of like laughing and like, yeah, but why did that happen? You know, um, Natasha was really kind of fucked over and that has to do with the fact that she's a dark skinned black woman in this franchise. And, and so like, I do think we have to, to consider that if you're a white man, you're actually like in a much better position (laughs) Having a podcast or not. Having a podcast or not. And so, yes, she has gotten this this podcast role. And, and so now she does have a certain level of institutional force behind her in the franchise. But let's not lose sight of the ways in which she doesn't have it, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And I do think that just kind of the way Blake put it, it was very simplistic as if there are sort of the podcast people and the non-podcast people. Mm-hmm. And that is the only right defining factor when in reality it it doesn't mean nothing but there are also a lot of other ways in which you can be in the franchise's favor and be sort of like gifted with being put in a position to succeed and having people put on the beach who you actually want to date being put in a position to have a really beautiful love story come out of this and Natasha regardless of the fact that she is in a in good with production was really put in a position to be used and mocked. Yeah, production did not protect her from that. They gave her a rose right. afterwards, but like, I mean, right? She was, <laughs> as I said before, she was put in a position to be humiliated and then was allowed to survive that. But like that, you know, to what extent is that actually a gift? because there's a lot of trauma in having to go through that experience. So I I kind of understood where both of them were coming from. And I think just in a lot of these back and forths, every Bachelor person is bringing their own kind of set of traumas that they've dealt with Mm -hmm. in the show. And I think it's very easy for everyone to get defensive and sort of like get their, I don't know, get their backs up. Yeah, totally. His, His trauma is like, I got a bad edit. 
and it changed my position in people's minds. And hers is a guy that I really was into made a fool of me and used me. And, you know, in a way, it's like everyone, almost everyone comes off the beach traumatized and often in some way (laughs) conflicting with each other in some way. But yeah, I mean, I think that the whole podcast industrial complex, uh, the, the synergy that Bachelor is trying to do, I find really problematic. Um, but they're allowed to do it, and we all just have to deal with it, quite frankly. Yeah, um, and I would also, again, just, like, encourage everyone to, like, keep the criticism towards the structures that are creating the show because this is really much more about that Mm -hmm. and like you can criticize the fact that bachelor is putting together these podcasts is using the people that they've put through the ringer to kind of promote specific narratives um but that's not the responsibility of the like individuals necessarily and not the fault of the individuals who are just sort of trying to navigate this system in which as you as you said kind of fucks over everyone in its own way yeah, unless you're Joe. And Joe is out there thriving. Yeah, Joe He's a white man and he's so a podcast true. host. He's got it all, baby. And, you know, he... <laughs> we t- he's we got touched it all, on including the- his own brand of <laughs> tomato sauce. It's all been building toward this. He He's at the heart of... of and yet barely mentioned in the Jasenia and Alana Chris... Uh, back and forth that has been going on, which is like our next little gossip item. Oh my God. I find this weird feud to be like such a bummer. Yeah, this is related. Um, It also happened last season on Bachelor in Paradise, as we mentioned. Chris Conran came on the beach and immediately went for Jasenia. They'd met before. He was like, she's the only one I'm interested in. They immediately started this really intense, committed relationship and then at a party that they were both present at they brought in some new girls including Alana and he just made out with Alana all night in front of Desenia without pulling Desenia aside and being like by the way we're over (laughs) and then after that he and Alana were just an item and everyone was so appalled by this that I think I think we talked about this at the time. It seemed like they just decided that Alana and Chris must have had a plan because why else would someone act so poorly? Right. <laughs> like, and also, like, it, it, that's a true violation of the rules of the show. They're like, no, no, he can't just be an asshole. He's an asshole who broke the rules of the show and he shouldn't be here. <laughs> so Joe kind of rallied up a group of guys to confront Chris and tell him that and, he shouldn't And be women, there. disgruntled <laughs> females. Disgruntled females. And, you know, basically it was portrayed as Joe kind of sent them home. Joe bullied them off the beach separately. And Alana was not allowed to speak during this altercation. At a certain point, she was like, does anyone want my opinion? And everyone was like, no. And so that is the incident in question here. Jasenia went on Us Weekly's Bachelor Pod, pushed back on Chris and Alana's assertion on a previous episode of the podcast that no one had apologized to them after last season of Bachelor in Paradise. And Jasenia said, I did, in fact, apologize to Alana. I gave it a couple of days, and I reached out to her, and I said, you know, I wanted to give you some space, but I wanted to come to you and tell you that genuinely I'm so sorry for how things ended up in Paradise. 
And then when I think about what I would do differently, I wouldn't have cut you off because I cut her off. And I told her, honestly, I'm so embarrassed by that specifically because you deserve to speak. So (laughs) that all seems fine and normal. And I understand why Jasenia would want to clarify that Uh and would be frustrated by the fact that Chris and Alana are saying that no one had reached out to them. Right. It's like, why did I humble myself to apologize? (laughs) If I'm not going to get credit. I'm not going to get credit for that apology, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) The thing that is confusing to me is that then apparently Jasenia and Alana got in like another fight after she had apologized. And then she blocked Chris and Alana. So I was like, well, clearly maybe that's why she they don't like really consider it like a good yeah, well, make nice experience. I, it's very confusing. I guess that, I mean, on the show, Jasenia said that Alana had thrown herself at Chris in San Diego and Alana didn't really see it that way. I don't understand. It all sounds extremely messy. And personally, I blame Chris. When there's Same. this much confusion between two women about you, I think that's on you, buddy, personally. Um, he's not really part of this conversation, I guess. He doesn't want to get too involved. But now then Jasenia asked production what to do as this new fight blew up, and they said don't engage. So she blocked them. And then she unblocked Alana to send her a screenshot of her initial apology after the podcast Love episode came out saying she didn't incredible apologize. Incredible pettiness. And then she says Alana blocked her. <laughs> So, I don't know. I was just like, wow, this all really bums me out. Um, And it feels like ultimately this is Chris's fault. And also none of this really matters because, like, Alana and Chris are in a happy relationship. And, like, Jasenia has a lot going on and doesn't – just isn't involved with them anymore. So, I'm like, live and let live. I mean, personally, I remember this clearly enough to to think that – I feel like somehow things are being retconned a little bit that like Alana and Chris are now being like, I can't believe everyone was so mean to us and we didn't do anything wrong. And like Chris did something pretty awful. Like what he did was really unkind. And it seems pretty clear to me that he misled Jasenia based on what we saw. Um, I do think, and we thought this at the time, that that everyone was jumping to conclusions a little bit by saying that they definitely had – a scheme in place or a pre-existing relationship, Chris could totally just be a complete fuckboy. That definitely makes sense to me. And so and also Joe's reaction— he had flirted with Alana and Jasenia beforehand. So, yeah. like, if anyone had a scheme, it was only Chris. If anyone had a scheme, it was all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Also that. Like, they all met beforehand, which was known. So, like— Yeah. I think that—I think that Chris is— um, I don't want people to forget that Chris did a bad job at all of this, and he deserves criticism. Um, I also think that as time has gone on, people have looked back at that mob scene confronting Chris and pushing him off the beach and been like, wow, Joe really thinks he's the cop of paradise, doesn't he? That was a really bad look. Chris and Alana are just victims in this scenario. And there's there's an element of truth to that as well. I hope everyone. So really, can this move all on. Co- again <laughs> comes down to multiple men, and yet the people doing all of the talking and the, the like feuding are women. Yeah, the men are just like 
The ladies are fighting like, it out. Again, Joe just out here getting off scot-free at every turn. Joe's out here being like, Pod ha- podcast hosts getting a good edit on Paradise? That's not relevant to me. I don't see why I should be part of this conversation. Uh, let's move on from these feuds. Let's talk about just a fun little, a fun little item. Scott Disick, who is the father of Kourtney Kardashian's children, her ex, was spotted out with a quote-unquote mystery woman leaving a steakhouse in Miami. Um, incredibly rude. This is not a mystery woman. Not, not a mystery to anyone in Bachelor Nation. Yeah. This woman was Corinne Olympios. Yes. From Nick Vial's season. One of one of the standout comic villains of, of the last decade of, of the show, I think. Yes. I believe it was Hollywood life that couldn't identify her. Um, who's running these these tabloids yeah, these days? Yeah, I'm sorry. Your your job is celebrity gossip. Get someone on staff <laughs> who watches The Bachelor. This feels essential. <laughs> Bachelor Nation people are involved in petty drama and like weird celebrity outings literally all the time. Constantly. Um, they all are together in the mega multi-universe of... <laughs> celebrity run-ins and and relationships. Let's let's talk about some happy news if you're Thomas and Becca. Thomas and Becca (laughs) are buying a house together in San Diego. Not happy news for me because I don't get to live there and I still don't own a house. But I am super happy for them. You're like, nice to see (laughs) others purchasing beautiful (laughs) homes in beautiful beachy town. Oh, you're saying if I was just like a really popular bachelorette with a bunch of uh, business deals that came off of that, I could just buy a house with my boyfriend of under a year. Sounds nice. Well, apparently they recently submitted an offer on a property. TBD if they're going to get that one, but they are like in process. Um, Would you maybe say they they're talked about escrow? this? No, probably not. They're not in they're escrow not in, yet. Well, maybe they are That's now. The thing. We just don't know yet. We, Yeah, maybe we don't know. But they were discussing this on Bachelor Happy Hour, and Becca was like, okay, Thomas, I feel like you're making it seem like we're farther along than we are. <laughs> like, we're, like, just, like, starting to, like, put in offer. And also, I will say, the real estate market is insane everywhere right now. So often you do have to put in a few offers on various properties in order to actually secure one. That's what I've heard. But best of luck to them. Unless you put in an aggressive offer. All cash, no contingencies. <laughs> I learned very well from selling Sunset. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. I just need $5.6 million in cash. Yeah. You're like, oh, definitely. Why would I All not cash just do offer? that? Of course. Of course I would do that. Who needs a mortgage? <laughs> selling Sunset is so <laughs> educational. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, JoJo and Jordan are officially married. Uh, former Bachelorette and her final selection her have been engaged for six years, just building a, a power coupledom together, hosting reality shows together, TV hosting. I love when people are like, holy shit, it's insane that they've been engaged for six years. I'm like, to be clear, they've been dating for six years. Like, I will say. They got engaged. <laughs> 
essentially when they started dating. I will say there are some people who think that you should be engaged by two years together and that you should only be engaged for a year. So there are some people who think that you should be together for no more than like three years before you get married. I'm not one of those people. Look at Jojo and Jordan. They seem super happy. They seem wonderful. And as you said, they've really built their own little mini empire, hosting empire. They have a new show, The Big D. (laughs) Coming out this summer, which I can't, I can't believe D. that's what it's called, but I'm going to say it a million times. In I'm my very fan fiction about it. this, they're working on the pitch together, and Jordan is like, and we call it the Big D. And he like laughs, and JoJo's like, and no. JoJo's like, oh, fine. But then the execs hear it and they love it. Um, I'm sure that they were not part of pitching it whatsoever, but I just like to imagine it happening that way. But JoJo and Jordan got married at a winery in Santa Inez, California, over the weekend. Bachelor attendees included Adam Gottschalk, Raven Gates, and, of course, her BFF, Becca Tilly. Mm. And I'm just here to say, all we've gotten are, like, the two posed pictures of them in their— in in their wedding outfits in Us Weekly. And like, frankly, this is not enough. I need more. Give me those candids. Give me Becca and JoJo on the dance floor. Give me an outfit change, which I have to imagine occurred. Let us in. Let us into your big day. No boundaries allowed. I want a helicopter flying overhead, giving us aerial footage of JoJo walking down the aisle. (laughs) Um, JoJo, uh, I will say they... They were planning to get married earlier. Um, yes, but pandemic. pandemic. So it would have been only four years, which is almost acceptable. Um, but yeah, we don't get many photos, but we did see that he is in a sort of classic black tux and she wore also a pretty classic gown. Yeah. Uh, white sweetheart, off the shoulder, mermaid with sort of a foam of ruffles below the knee, stretching out into a train. I like it. I think it's very her. I think it's very her. It's not, we don't share the same taste and style, <laughs> but like, of course she looked freaking gorgeous. And this, this did feel, it felt right for both of them. They looked really, really happy, really, really beautiful. They, JoJo's one of the hottest people I've ever seen, so I'm always, that helps. I'm always so happy to see a success story because, really, if these people don't get married, why are we even watching The Bachelor? Am I right? <laughs> it's just to find out who's going to get married. Yeah, it's only about marital love, as we know. That's why we have this show. because <laughs> Of marriage. I don't know. Because of because marriage. Of marriage. Because, because of marriage. Because we just find marriage to be the only important Listen, thing. Listen, all you guys need to know is that JoJo and Jordan just bought us another two years of doing the podcast. And if there isn't another bachelor wedding by then, we're out. Like, <laughs> we need this to sustain us. Um, I think that brings us to the end of our gossip role. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about The Courtship, Episode 9. Can you keep up? I like If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, (laughs) turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six 
times. Dressing head-to-toe in barefoot dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for 3 weeks and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we are back, and it is time to talk about The Courtship, Episode 9. We are raring towards the conclusion of this show, and yet... I still have no fucking clue who she's going to end up with. I am just like, 
I, it could be anyone. Like, point at a random guy. I think it's probably him. The title of this episode is The Strongest Prevail. This is a strength-themed episode. I'm excited because I want to learn whose pecs are for show and whose pecs can lift a giant ball made out of 100 pounds of cement onto a barrel for love. This looked difficult. I think I could do it because, you know, some of the guys did it pretty easily, and that makes me think that it's possible. Also, I feel like if you have a lot of experience just deadlifting a child well, off the ground. Now that I'm thinking about it, my son is 32 pounds, and I routinely struggle to lift him off the ground. <laughs> so it's possible that a cement ball that is three times that much would be too much for me. Yeah, I'm going to I don't gonna know. Let's just, that let's response. No, let's just say can. that you can definitely do it. <laughs> you definitely can. You are a strong woman. It depends. Is the cement ball pinning my child to the ground? In that case, <laughs> I think I probably could. And then I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> so we open with the court having tea and chatting about Ms. Remy's prospects. All I could watch during this scene was the gowns, which are just getting more and more out of control with time. Aqua, bright aqua, mint, lavender. Ms. Remy is wearing what is this color a violet dress with yellow flowers? It's it's intense. This is not a Regency palette. This her dress really reminded me of being in like second grade and an art teacher telling me that purple and yellow were a beautiful pairing because they're complementary colors. And I'm like, yes, they are opposite to each other on the color wheel, but I just don't think they look good together. So, like, it's not – you can't just be like, it's math. That's the right answer. I disagree. And I still feel that way. But this costume designer is more on my art teacher's side. The costume designer is like, purple and yellow should maybe be in every gown. This costume team is just having a really (laughs) good time. So much fun. And I actually love that for them. Me too. Sometimes it is the most interesting thing about an episode, but I actually had a lot of fun with this episode. So let's dive in. Miss Ms. Remy is still feeling really good about Mr. Chapman. She tells her court that she's falling in love and they would just need to figure out how their relationship would work with his nomadic lifestyle. And meanwhile, he's with the And guys. Mr. Chapman is simply panicking. He's like, I'm scared shitless about possibly proposing. I don't know I about love this. when men go on these shows and, like, say all this shit to the lead and then, like, after the fact are like, wait, does that mean I have to, like, did I just say I would commit? This truly is, like, the fuckboy <laughs> in practice. He's like, in the real world, I can just say I'm crazy about you, I'm falling for you, and then two days later... I'm back on the road and there's no way for her to ever find me because the breeze is in my hair. And now he's like, oh, a bunch of people are filming me and they like really expect me to propose to her soon. And do I just back out of this now or do I lean into it and find an exit route later? <laughs> he can't decide. I've really turned I'm on Mr. Chapman. It. Mr. Chapman is really giving Wickham vibes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's like, you are the best lady at the ball. I found an heiress and I will never speak to you again. <laughs> like, that is fully the level of pivot he's trying to accomplish here. So the day's activity, as mentioned, and as described in the Daily Tea, is a festival of strength. Muscles will bulge and Atlas himself will blush. From embarrassment, I guess, that he's not as strong as Mr. Hunter. And 
it's true. This is very similar to a memorable Pride and Prejudice scene in which Mr. Darcy lifted a cement ball onto a barrel. Who could forget? A classic. No one. One of her one of Jane Austen's finest moments, I would say. <laughs> and so they all gather to basically compete in two events. It is the cement ball hoisting. Which we have already discussed, but... And then there is, like, holding a heavy log with handles overhead for as long as possible. That is difficult. I have done essentially that position, but with just, like, a yoga block. And let me tell you, it begins hurting very quickly. I think any woman who routinely blow dries her hair knows how difficult this is. A blow dryer exactly. is what? Three pounds max? <laughs> I can maybe You're do just, five minutes. Your arms minutes. are not really like meant to stay in that yeah. position. And your arms themselves have weight, you know? You're really holding, you're holding them to the sky uh, as nature did not intend. And so the, though the men have these massive guns, can they really achieve this feat of endurance? I have to say this event is giving me more CrossFit. This is very CrossFit to me. Which is lucky because definitely (laughs) 75% of these men are involved in CrossFit. Oh, for sure. I feel like they were like, how can we turn this CrossFit event into Regency? We have to replace the tires with a cement ball? Is that what they had back then? (laughs) Mr. Cones is the most relatable here. He's just like, what the hell? He's what the fuck? Why do I have to be shirtless? He's, he's like, I thought I didn't realize I signed up for this. Mr. Cohen's continues to be my favorite person. I know. He's like, I thought this was the modest dating show and I <laughs> d- didn't waste my time getting a six pack. And now it's turning out that I need one. Um, they all look great. Um, and including Mr. Cohen's. Mr. Cohen's also like kind of kills it. Mr. Cohen's is sneaky strong. Um, and so is Mr. Nazaire, as we'll discover. Everyone is really favoring Mr. Hunter and Mr. Judge because they are, I mean, Mr. Judge was a, a wrestler. He's now a wrestling coach. He looks sturdy. I think, is he the one that Ms. Remy <laughs> compares to a mule? Uh, that sounds yeah. correct. And Mr. Hunter is just like swole as hell. Like he just, but like, you know. He's just all yeah, rippling muscles. All peck. And, um... Mr. Chapman also played football, so naturally we've got we've got some some men who are used to lifting in in this crowd. But then we start seeing some surprise upsets. Uh, Mr. Cones beats Mr. Hunter in cement ball lifting by like a mile. Oh yeah, what was just, that about? Just hoist that ball right up there. <laughs> and Mr. Nazar beats Mr. Chapman in endurance lifting. Mr. Judge also loses in endurance lifting to Mr. Cones. And I have to blame Mr. Judge here because what he did was he succumbed to the temptation to show off by doing extra curls with the log and depleted his arm strength at a rapid rate. Yeah, you really did that to yourself, sir. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't help but think of the tortoise and the hare, you know? He is just too confident. And Mr. Hunter and Mr. Nazaire, I guess, have the longest times. They go head-to-head, but it is a timed event, the endurance um, lifting. And so Mr. Hunter and Mr. Nazaire get the final 
championship bout, and Mr. Nazaire wins the title despite his slight socialite's frame. See, you don't judge a book by its cover. (laughs) He could look just wiry and strong, but maybe he's just as strong as a really buff guy. It's, you know, (laughs) bodies are a mystery. This means Mr. Nazaire gets some extra time with Ms. Remy, and... She's just attracted to him. Yeah. Like, these two are very clearly, this is going nowhere, but they both are like, you're cute. She, if I were Ms. Remy, and I think this is the case, she's like, there's room in my pool right now for a guy that's going to give me the experience that I kind of wanted from from some element of this show, which is a really hot guy who's very charming, who flirts with with me really hard with an accent. And who flirts with me really hard and makes out with me and gives me those, like, special moments. Maybe that's not the right guy for me at the end of the show, but shouldn't I get to have some of that along the way? (laughs) Honestly, yes. So I I respect her decision to keep Mr. Nazar around. She is staring at him and telling him how much she likes him. And he says, if you keep looking at me like that, I'm going to have to kiss you. And she just doesn't move a muscle. She doesn't even blink. And he is therefore legally obligated to kiss her. He has to. He said it. He must. And then she tells him, if I feel it in the moment, I'm just going to do it. And he's like, I love that. Also, Mr. Chapman is afraid of commitment. (laughs) I love this because Mr. Nazar is also definitely afraid of commitment. He's like, I'm not the dummy who said it to everyone. Like, Mr. Nazar has been on reality TV. He knows how this works. And he's like... I mean, this idiot is going around (laughs) telling the wider group, like, every day how unsure he is that he wants to even be here. Absolutely. And also, I think Mr. Nazar and Ms. Remy both know that he is not endgame. So he's like, I'm afraid of commitment. Yes. When she asks about it, I'll tell her. But, like, we all know that's not where this is headed. (laughs) Exactly. So it's not a big deal. But while I'm here, it does seem like you might actually think you're going to marry Mr. Chapman. Um, and so she then has a tanker of wine with Mr. Hunter and he asked why he was on the dance card last week and she tells him that she feels he has a wall up and he's just sort of like, yep. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And she's like, you're too perfect. Even your hair. I just want to mess it up. And she tries, but she can't. His hair is solid as a rock. He has brought a real collection of gels. He's like, I know I'm going to be on television. There is often a strong breeze on these grounds. That doesn't really go with my my look. I don't do windswept. No Regency hair product could have this effect. Actually, the styles of the time were quite windswept, I would say. He tells her that he just likes to be a rock for other people, keep his own problems to himself, And she's like, well, that seems like a problem because I wouldn't want that in our relationship for either of us. And he's like, "Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Does he think he's making progress here? Because he keeps being surprised when things don't go his way. (laughs) He's just like, he's saying nothing. Nothing. It's very confusing. Next, we get a solo date. And this solo date is at the Regency Spa. And it is offered to Mr. Bokikio. I gotta say. Like, is, is Mr. Bokikio gonna be the one in the end? It's starting to seem that way. He was really fading into the background for a while. But he hasn't done anything super fucked up lately. 
he's still there and she's still saying things to him like you're the only one who like makes me nervous Danny I really like you I see life after this with you it might be him because like I don't see her having that excitement with anyone else except the guy who's definitely about to drive off in a van straight into the ocean if he needs to just to escape Mr. Chapman is the only one that I thought rivaled her connection with Mr. Bokikio. And it really seems like Mr. Chapman is just trying to cut and run. Yeah. And Mr. Bokikio is is getting a chance to slip in now that Mr. Chapman is falling back with this with this one-on-one date. This this date, this Regency Spa, do you remember on Matt James's season when Matt and Michelle Young had a Pennsylvania Dutch spa date as part of one of their one-on-ones it was like dark and lots of like wrought iron and and silver urns everywhere and like milk in the bath and candles and straw yes it's very similar vibes yeah I feel like they were produced by the same person like I I can't (laughs) confirm that but like it's the same energy for me it's like dark outside dozens of pillar candles brocade trimmed bathrobes it's like kind of spooky, kind of like vampire-y, like period, but goth. I will say they, there were actually spas in the Regency time, but it was a little bit more like you went to a mineral spring and bath and like drank some of the water and maybe like went in wearing a modest gown. <laughs> this is a little more like <laughs> romance novel. <laughs> and... So they they put on their their bathrobes, <laughs> and Mr. Bokikio again tries to walk back Ms. Remy's expectations. He's like, "I know you want a proposal. I don't want to rush into anything. The proposal's crazy." I thought this was going south very fast, but she clearly doesn't want that to happen. She just sort of lightly calls him out and says, "You literally said you would propose in the masquerade. So are you going back on that?" And he's like, no. And she's like, but you are, because you did say that, and now you're saying you wouldn't. And he pivots into, well, what's the rush? I just want to spend time with you outside of this in real life. And th- th- Here's the thing. She's right, and also he's right. Yeah. Like, a proposal is kind of crazy. They're, they have not spent any time together in the real world. On the other hand— the red flag is that he clearly was, like, peacocking when new people came in. Yeah. And was like, yeah, of course, I would I would commit to anything. Yeah. He was playing up how committed he was to her. Yeah. Out of so it's like, okay, urge. dude, that's, that's annoying. Yeah, like, if you're someone who, on a principled level, doesn't think that that's a smart idea, then stand by that. Um, and he is now just privately to Miss Remy, being like, you're crazy for wanting a proposal. I still don't – I just don't like Mr. Bokikio very much. I don't like the way that he's always trying to downgrade her expectations of him and implying that what she expects is ridiculous. I don't like that, but it's clear that she does really feel something with him, and I am starting to believe that he feels it too. I do believe that he feels it too. Yeah, I I do. I'm very undecided about him. Sometimes I really don't like him, and sometimes I'm like, ah, I guess I kind of get it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, who wouldn't want to marry Nicole? Well, he doesn't want. Who wouldn't want to spend some time in real life with Nicole? I mean, he should be so lucky. 
Uh, they end up sharing a bath and, as he puts it, make Remy Bokikio soup. That's another red flag for me. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. That's really a point against him. But And to be clear, you know, they are wearing clothes. This is very Regency. She keeps her chemise on. Yes. And he keeps his and he knickers says, on. I do see life after this with you. And then they make out. So it ends on a on a positive note for Mr. Bokikio's prospects, I'd say. Yeah. And then we pivot right to Mr. Chapman, just like driving his relationship into the ground. <laughs> So the next morning, Ms. Remy decides to confront him about what she's over what she's heard from Mr. Nazaire. And so she pulls him aside while he's playing billiards with the gents and brings up what she has heard. And she said and he says to her, Yeah, I'm I'm scared. I'm scared shitless. I'm scared of commitment. Okay. So she says, do you still want to be here? And he is like, I'm falling in love with you. I want monogamy, but I don't want to slow down. She starts crying. She's like, I feel stupid. He tells her, "We could. I think we could be the most in love, but I don't think I can give you the life that you want. This actually that is made me want to such an, an Oh my I was God. So this is such an annoying thing. And again, such a classic fuckboy dude thing d- of like, we could be the best. Our emotions are the most present. Yes. But I just magnanimously, I need to let you know that, like, I can't be enough for you. It's like, sir, you're making a choice. You're making a choice. And just own that you're making a choice. You don't You don't want to be with her. Just say that. Just say it. Like To the guys, he'll be like, I think it's just lust, maybe. I don't know if I'm where she is. And to her, he's like, we could be the most in love, but I can't give you the life. That's a completely different thing. And honestly, it brought back to me Peter Krause telling Rachel Lindsay that she was going to have a mediocre life if she chose Brian instead of him because she wanted a proposal. And just the condescension and the presumption to be like, the, the best life is with me should I choose to, like, give it to you on the terms that are acceptable to me. But I won't be. But I won't be. I'm going to magnanimously allow you to have this less good love, this less good life that is all you can handle. <laughs> it's really, it's really narcissistic. Um, I, 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 this really turned me off. I have for some reason liked Mr. Chapman because Wickham's are good at what they do. And so it, it took me a little while to really turn on him. But woof, he is not putting in a good showing this episode. Because he's just, again, you have no obligation to be with anyone to give someone something that you can't give them. But like, you got you have to be honest. Yeah. I mean, that is, and that is the he's just simply the ethical thing to do. It is really stomach turning to see him make these emotional declarations to Nicole and posit that, like, their love for each other would be the most beautiful thing and then go to the guys and be like, I don't know. She's just, like, way more into it than I am. Um, It's humiliating. Like, yeah. fuck off, dude. And so she is really sobbing at this point. She's like, I don't understand how you can tell me that I'm crazy about me and then give up. It's not – doesn't make sense. That's not love. And he's like, well, I've just been trying to force myself to get to where you want. I don't know if I can. Then he starts to cry sort of through this like weird grimace smile. 
And finally, they just call it. Ms. Remy leaves to sob in the hallway. And he curls up on the couch in his stocking feet and reflects through sniffles on what he's going to do. He does. He clearly feels like shit. But again, it's just like that immature thing where I'm like, I don't think you're a monster, but I think you're completely incapable of like being the bad guy. But that makes you the bad guy. Like being not honest and waffling and continuing to lead someone on, like that makes you the bad guy. Right. It's like that's the only way I can make sense of what he's doing is that he's just like, a pleaser on some level that when he is face to face with Ms. Remy, he just wants to say the most like romantic things that he possibly can and (laughs) doesn't know how to say the things that he should be saying. Like this really isn't for me. We have great chemistry, but I I'm not ready for a real relationship. I have to go. Right. I I thought I was, I didn't mean to waste your time, yeah. but, like, I've now had this realization, and as painful as it is, I need to do the best thing for both of us and exit. I need to, I needed to come on here and get more, get more followers for my van life Instagram. I don't know if he I actually de- has one. I don't one, think he has but... many followers. <laughs> well, I'm not going to follow him after this. Mr. Chapman ends this conversation in a place where it seems like he's just going to be gone, but they didn't ever actually say that he was leaving. He, I thought he was he was leaving. Yeah, I mean, he tells the guys that, like, it's better for this to happen now than after we get engaged. Um, but she was legitimately falling for me. So, anyway, I'll probably never talk to you again. Bye. So imagine our <laughs> surprise <laughs> when we get to the farewell ball and Mr. Chapman is there. What? Huh. Like, what We're is- just going to have to deal with this through the end of the season, aren't we? Yes. Um, Ms. Remy has on her dance card Mr. Chapman, Mr. Cones, and Mr. Hunter. Mr. Cones takes an interesting strategy that I think I would have really hated if it was from someone I didn't like already, which is not even letting her really give feedback. He's like, just sit back and like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the pressure off of you, and you can just use this time to you know, know that, like, you're incredible and, like, I admire you so much. You know, just, like, showers her in compliments and is, like, I'm always here for you to be a support. And I was, like, well, that's really nice, Christian, but you are supposed to let her give some construction. He's, like, no, 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 thank you. I do not need to be criticized tonight. I did not expect that move from Mr. Cones, of all people. Look, he goes bold (laughs) with mixed results, as we know. But in this case, it— it works. She's very she's very flattered and very touched, and he is allowed to stay. Mr. Remy then talks to Mr. Hunter or dances with him and brings up his closed-off nature and presses him some more about why he can't open up. And again, he's just kind of silent and closed-lipped on, on that. And finally, she tells him that they just can't get there. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> Very fair. Uh, finally, Mr. Chapman. An interesting thing about this show is, like, I feel like they never say how many people are going to go home. No, which, you know what? I don't hate it because it kind of keeps me on my toes. I never know what's going to happen. Well, and the, you got you to gotta keep the guys on their toes, too. Yeah. Um. So Mr. Chapman seems really shaky and emotional, I will say. 
He thanks her for letting him be there. She's like, I didn't think you'd come. And he kisses her hand emotionally and says, I'm so glad I did. I've decided that I need to grow up and not run away because what if I never stop running? And like this, I need to just like, I need to see this through and like what we have is worth it. Like all that kind of bullshit. It's all bullshit now because I don't trust a word coming out of his mouth. Yeah. He's like, I need to figure out if it's like a lust thing or love. And she's like, if it's love, then fight for it. And he's like, I'm all in. As we learn very quickly in the next episode, spoiler alert, he's not all in. He's absolutely not all in. I don't believe that. If you're still at the point where you're saying, I'm figuring out if it's lust or love, you're not all in. (laughs) I, I... Ms. Remy is sometimes just so far into the realm of being too kind. Yeah, she's being way too generous to this man. But I get, look, if I a man said to me for her several weeks before I wanted him to propose to me, if he said to me, I'm just trying to figure out if I just, you know, want to bang you or like if maybe I care about you as a person, I would be like, I never want to speak to you again. The problem is that I probably would have figured out a way to like rationalize it in my head and be like, that's probably true. You know what? I'm just going to choose to only hear the maybe it's love part. Right. What if I sent him away and then he would have been the greatest love of my life and we just need a little more time? No, you're right. I definitely would have done that too. That's never the answer, but that's 100% (laughs) what I would have done. So I feel for Ms. Remy, but like Lincoln, I think you are officially a Wickham. Yeah, it's it's a Wickham for me. And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Courtship. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about episode nine of Temptation Island. Can you keep up? I like love it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time, and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house— 
my house, my apartment. <laughs> you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season yes. again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really like elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it. So comfortable, so chic. Also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we are back with even more fuckboys. Just just a bonanza of fuckboys. I've really turned against almost every guy on this island. I've turned against (laughs) all of them except Luke. I guess Luke, who honestly was at the top of my shit list at the beginning. Same. It's been a real real about face for me with Luke. Uh, We cut back in, actually, mid-bonfire on Jillian... uh, reacting with shock and horror to footage of Edgar having sex with Marissa. And we finally see her sort of more gathered response, which is, that is the other side of Edgar. I don't know where that comes from. Like, what? And she says, it just reminds me of the shit that happened before, which, if if anyone needs a reminder, he cheated on her. He cheated, which he just conveniently does not acknowledge in his own personal narrative of their relationship. (laughs) Yeah, weird. Um, And she makes what we, I think, had had thought um, the deal was, was that she's like, he didn't need to break our rules. Like, this was a real betrayal. Like, basically, I expected him to be, you know, hooking up with other people, making out with other people. That was within the bounds of what they had defined as a couple. But, like, this... This is beyond the pale, and that's very hurtful. And she even says to Mark when he asks why she thinks that Edgar did this, she's like, yeah, he wanted to get back at me and feel in control again. And, like, I do think Edgar likes Marissa, but I agree that he feels the need to be in control. Yeah, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Like, that's what we said last week. And, yeah, honestly— it's because of how Edgar handles it. Like, it's, I do think yes. he's genuinely into Marissa, but the way that he even talked about it was like, well, it's easier now to see Jillian hooking up with Tommy because I did have sex with Marissa, like, pretty hardcore. So, you know, I'm in a way, like, I'm doing the more intense thing. It's like, Edgar, like, it's so transparent what you're doing Edgar here. sucks, and Jillian is wise beyond her years, to be honest. Like, she's 21, and she's, like, very much able to sort of put her finger on these men and be like, this is why you're acting that way, and maybe I'm having this emotional reaction to it, but yeah, I know exactly what's going on. I mean, look, I do have sympathy for Edgar because Jillian did come to this island— And kind of realized that she didn't really want to be with Edgar. And that realization, I think, is clear from what he's been seeing in the video clips he's seen. And that must be very hurtful. He he didn't want to break up. I understand 
how hard that must be for Edgar. Um, but it doesn't give you carte blanche <laughs> to be a total asshole and erase the fact that you also played a role in the destruction of this relationship because you have been an untrustworthy partner. I completely agree. And also, like, I think that it's telling that, like, when we saw Jillian with Edgar, she was very clingy and yep. needy and kind of seemed like a mess. I'm sure she wasn't like that all the time. But, like, the dynamic of their relationship was was so um, – made her seem, I think, a little bit immature. Like, when they parted ways, she was like, you know, I'm losing a part of myself, and, like, I never can have a connection with someone else like I have with you. And, like, when he's gone, she has really, like, shown a side of herself that is, like you said, so together, so astute about the dynamic of her relationship with Edgar and also the dynamic of her relationship with Tommy. Like, she knows what's up. She knows what she wants. She understands that other people don't necessarily want the same things, even if they're romantically connected to her. And that's something that I absolutely could not do when I was 21. <laughs> no, it's a really, really hard thing to do. So I, re- I, I respect just, that. I really respect her, and I just really want her to thrive without Edgar. Yeah. Like, I was way more of an Edgar no. when I was their age. I was definitely an Edgar. And I hope that, like me— he stops being like that. <laughs> um, Mark uh, reminds them, this is the end of the bonfires. He's like, the next one will be the final conversation with your boyfriends. We're coming to the end. Oh my God, I want the final bonfire ah! so bad. <laughs> and as they leave, Jillian is livid. She is emoting wildly. She's like, there's a storm coming his way. She rips off her promise ring. She's like, I'm going to throw this shit in the fucking ocean. Also notable in the fact that Edgar's justification for this entire thing is that he saw one small clip where Jillian was like, maybe I will take this off. She never did. But just the the mere thought that she might is he's like, she's a bad person who... And it hurts too much to love her. And I'm <laughs> Yeah, it hurts too much to love her. She's literally, like, kind of, in that moment, her tone was very light. But she was expressing what I think a lot of us are thinking as we're watching, which is, like, what is the status of, of these relationships while they're apart from their partners? Like, is the relationship over? Is it weird to, like, right. still wear a symbol of your connectedness and your bond to each other or is it okay and she ultimately decided it was okay to keep wearing it and she did and clearly it meant a lot to her because she had a lot of conversations with Tommy about whether she should keep wearing it and deciding to keep wearing it until now <laughs> great job Edgar I'm sorry I hate Edgar I full hate Jillian was at a point where she was like this relationship was so emotional important to me like I could see her keeping it in a shoebox until she was 80 and now it's going in the ocean so I hope he's happy the women the girlfriends all come back angry enough to be planning an impromptu uber crash into the other villa motions are (laughs) running high Jillian announces that Edgar was the first guy to have sex with another girl. And not only that, but, like, I, I, a lot of this got bleeped. But it sounds like she's implying that it was, like, really, like, kind of aggressive, like, not emotional sex. Like, she and Edgar had different sex at the beginning of their relationship. Like, it was kind of a weird moment. But I think she was, like, oh, she, she was, was having, like, really showy, like, yeah, not intimate sex. I mean, it was, like, very, like... 
you could really tell what was going on despite <laughs> yeah, the blanket the cameras. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ash sits with Taylor and asks him why he's being weird. Uh, they had had a bit of a rough patch after they told Taylor that they were worried sometimes that Hanya was the only person that would never leave them. And Taylor gets emotional. I think this is like the first time I've seen Taylor with Ash in a context where I was like, oh, it seems like Taylor's into this too. And not just kind of like receiving Ash's Yeah, I came devotion. around to Taylor uh, on this, the second to last <laughs> episode. Uh, Taylor's like, look, you've said that I'm like a drug that like makes everything better. But like, I'm not a drug. I'm a real person. I also have feelings and also I don't want you to like leave here without me and just like go back to Hanya because you don't have that anymore. And I thought that was a really well expressed and Ash also handles it very well. Um, Ash says that they felt really safe with Taylor because he's been such a safe space and that they could be really vulnerable with him, but they overstepped a line. Very healthy exchange, I think. Yeah. Like, Ash really modeling good uh, reception of criticism here, which will become relevant later. (laughs) Something that (laughs) Hanya is unable to do, which, of course, we see on full display. During during their magical night of wonder. (laughs) Yes. Their rager with dollar store <laughs> Halloween costumes, and they all seem absolutely tanked. The boys are wearing capes. The single ladies are in glitter and wings that seem on the verge of collapse. <laughs> Lacelles is wearing a bowler hat, which to me is the very strong a signal. Call, a, a cry for help. Cry for frankly. help. <laughs> I'm like, Lacelles, let me help you take off the bowler hat. LaSalle's is not okay. He is like, I'm worried about Ashley seeing me fall for Trace, which I definitely am. I'm definitely falling in love with Trace, but like Ashley's totally going to see that. That's, I don't know what I'm doing. Hanya is enjoying the party. Hanya is ready to move on from his brief spates of feeling shame. (laughs) He was like, we did that. (laughs) We We tried that for like 30 seconds. That was enough. He's like, I worked through it and I'm fine now. Now I should just follow all of my instincts. He's also wasted. Yes. He's very drunk. Like, I was watching the after show, and it seemed pretty clear that he, like, barely remembered yeah, this conversation. Like he, remember. he was like, what? And, like, maybe that's a ploy, but we have seen him respond to other things on the show as if he did remember them, and he seemed yeah, genuinely he, he like— he was just like, wow, is this a real conversation <laughs> that I'm having? Like, uh, So he drunkenly tells two of the women that their butts are amazing— And Karina, standing a foot and a half away, overhears and is like, Hanya, what the fuck? That's so annoying. And Hanya is like, what? Do you not think your butt's amazing? (laughs) Do you think I don't think your butt's amazing? It is. And Karina's like, like, no, "No, that's not. That's, oh, God. That's not it. And he just loses it. He just starts screaming, this is not intentional. And the other women are watching this and are like, it's juicy specifically. It's like, Hanya, what are you doing? Stop yelling at Karina. And he's just on one. He can't, he can't yeah. tap back in. He's like, 
she's making it about her. It's not about her. And he like storms off. And then he's like, you're making me women. feel like I'm doing, like I'm a mess clearly. I have to remove myself. And Juicy's like, no, it's not that. And he's like, it is. Like I have to go. And she's like, no, you're doing, now you're yelling at me. You're not listening. <gasps> yeah. And this really seals uh, a bunch of the women being like, so Hanya's a narcissist. Yeah. No wonder his girlfriend wants someone who actually listens. Ash, during the after show, is watching this, just being like, thank you to these women. I love women. Women I feel understand. So validated. I feel so validated. And Hanya is like, I suppose they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, Karina, at one point in their argument, tells him, this is what I mean by Hanya world, which means it's an ongoing conversation. <laughs> um something for him to think about. So the next morning, Trace <laughs> awakens in an alarming situation. Lascelles appears to just be waking her up by looming over her, fully dressed and looking distraught. Oh my God. You just never know. He is just constantly saying things and then backtracking and then saying other things and then backtracking on those things. He's but not like, even backtracking. Not completely backtracking. He, yeah. He'll be, it's so confusing. He's constantly like, I just can't wait to start a life with you in LA and just like dominate the world together. And then he'll be like, listen about what I said about starting life together in LA and dominating. I definitely want to do that. But also I need to, to get closure with Ashley. And it's like, yes, of course, like you're technically still dating Ashley, but like, it's like he turns it into this like drama that's almost like the content of the twists and turns isn't even that dramatic. It's just the way that he presents it. Right. It has the effect of making Trace not trust him, which I understand. Of course. Because she's like, you're always like delivering these things very assuredly and then be like, seemingly trying to hedge. Yeah. And it's very disconcerting. He kneels next to her and he's like, I really, really want to make this work. But then like last night it hit me like a ton of bricks. And like, I do think I need closure with Ashley. I need to know where she's at and I need to know where I'm at. And Trace is like, okay, well we can cross that bridge when we get there. And like, for now we'll just like pause. And LaSalle's is like, I'm sorry, I'll work it out. I just need some time. Trace is livid as she puts it. As she often is. As she often is. Their their relationship seems really exhausting. I do feel like Trace, you know, she talks later about how she has trust issues from past relationships. And I don't think that that plays in her favor on this show at all. Like, she's really, because of those issues, I think, wants to constantly demand a level of commitment from LaSalle's that he is not in a position to give her. Meanwhile, he is such a pleaser. He's so codependent. He's just yeah. like, yes, of course. And then he's like, wait, I already made that promise to someone else. Never mind, but not never mind. And they're just like in a toxic spiral. Oh, it's it's very bad. It's really hard it's, to watch. It's, it's really bad. And it, it it really, if you're someone with trust issues, probably going on a show to exclusively date people <laughs> who are already in relationships. That's what won't people be great for you. That's what we don't talk about enough on the show. We're like, why would these couples go on this show? But like, why would the singles go on this show? There are so many dating shows being made all the time and you want to go on this one? I guess it's it's only it's like really good for you if you're like I'm just trying to like be friends with some of these dudes, maybe like do a solid for their girlfriends, hang out like yeah, and drink like 
this will just be a fun adventure. Or if you're exclusively attracted to people who are unavailable in some way. (laughs) And you just want to press that bruise a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, that's the other option. But so now that Hanya and LaSalle's island relationships are in shambles, it is time for the climactic romantic overnight dates, naturally. The, the women's selection happens first, and it is a very smooth process. Iris chooses Deke. Ash chooses Taylor. Jillian chooses Tommy. Ashley chooses Blake. No surprises there. Poor George is like, well, there could have been something there with Iris, but not really... Iris is like, I'm just trying to get back with my boyfriend. Yeah, that was the closest so. they could find to like a disgruntled guy because everyone knew who the connections were. Um, for the guys, it's a little bit more fraught. <laughs> oh, Luke has God. no clear pick. He's just been kind of like hanging out with a bunch of hotties, trying not to cheat on Iris. And he ends up choosing Paige. Edgar chooses Marissa, of course. Lascelles and Hanya, again, both in very rocky relationships right now, but they do both choose their their partners of, of several weeks. Lascelles <laughs> starts his by saying, Trace, I know we've been going through a lot of difficult times together. And I'm like, you've known each other for like three weeks. As <laughs> Ashley says, while she's watching this back during the after show, she just keeps being like, red flag, red, red flag, flag, red flag. You should not be having this many difficult times after. I think Lascelles even says about himself, watching himself back, I'm just giving constant reasons not to trust <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, it's not like, good. Correct. Hanya also opens with a sort of implied apology-ish. Ish. Apology-ish. Not really an apology, but just a gesture to how badly things went the other night. He's like, Karina, we left things a bit tense, but want to go on this romantic overnight date with me. And she's like, okay. And Trace is like, okay. They don't seem excited. <laughs> Juicy has a weird moment of reaction to this because all the other singles have to leave now. It's the end of the road for them. The show is wrapping up. And we get this little snippet of Juicy to the camera being like, did Luke choose Paige because he didn't think he could resist me? Like, I got the short end of the stick here. I don't know why he came. Like, I'm like, Juicy, what do you think this show is? Like... You're, it's not like these people are obligated to cheat on their partners no. and be in a relationship with someone else. It's also like, not a not competition to give yourself the hardest possible abstinence test. Like, it's like, yeah. it's making me think of like how Gandhi notoriously and horrifically used to like get young women to sleep in the nude with him to test his Ugh. commitment to celibacy. It's like, Uh, that's not what this is. You're not trying to give yourself like the ultimate, ultimate test. You're trying to test yourself in a way that leads to fruitful growth for your relationship. And so maybe he's not doing it wrong, Juicy, just throwing it out Yeah, maybe he's just like the only one who actually seems committed to his relationship. And so he's like, I'm going to go with my great buddy, Paige, who... I do find attractive, but, like, we just have, like, a good vibe. Yeah. On a friendship level. Also, their date ends up being, I don't know how this worked. If production was just, like, you two are getting a dinner double date because, you you know, 
that seems about where you're at with your girlfriends on the island right now, (laughs) or if they asked for it. But basically, Hanya and Luke end up going ring shopping during the day of the romantic overnight dates, and then they have dinner together with the the two women they selected. I hope Karina and Paige just got to go on, like, a nice jungle adventure that we didn't see. I know. Everyone else got to go, like, ziplining. They probably had a great time. (laughs) Ashley and Blake take a helicopter ride over the island, and she says she's really starting to like him. Ashley's so sensible. She moves so slow. He's like, maybe she'll pick me, Um, Blake. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she seems on the fence. This woman is either leaving alone or with Lascelles. Well, she's not leaving with Lascelles, but she doesn't know that yet. Um. Yeah, I mean, at dinner, she's basically saying that she wishes she had more time to kind of continue their relationship and see where she lands on things. But she she makes it sound like she's still considering all three options, like alone or yeah. with either of the guys. I realistically don't see her leaving with Blake. No, I don't she's see She's just starting to like him. Like, it's to a little like early him. to leave a dating show together. Um. Lascelles and Trace, meanwhile, are in this deep. This is a horrible date. They're basically doing, like, a vow renewal. Like, <laughs> it's a, such a bad date, but it is a date that is suited to their, like, we got into this way too fast, and now we're basically a divorcing couple sort of energy. <laughs> they're doing a dove blessing. They make a wish. <laughs> Can't. They have to then, like, release some birds to, like, get their wish doesn't seem like a good date a lot of opportunities to get pooped on doves don't actually want to just fly away in a huge cloud at the exact moment that you want them to as they discover they're they're not just you know props they're complex animals with their own motivations and minds and they get through this part of the date and they get to spend a little time kind of chatting Lascelles is now regretting <laughs> telling Trace <laughs> what he was feeling the other morning. And because he doesn't <sighs> like people being mad at him. Yeah. He's like, maybe I shouldn't have done that because now Trace is mad at me and I don't like that Trace is mad at me. Um, Trace says, well, you know, whenever I start to believe in what you're telling me, you hit me with another wild card. I keep getting hopeful and then getting knocked back and like it really hurts. I'm really hurt right now. And LaSalle's response to this is, it sounds like she doesn't want to be part of my life. This man needs to learn how to listen. (laughs) That is absolutely not what she said. There's a lot of self-reflection that LaSalle's needs to be doing. Uh, I think he needs to spend some time alone, personally. I completely agree. I'm worried that that's not going to happen because later on the date, they they really dig into this a little bit more. Trace is like, look, you just need to be 10 times more careful. I've had this past trauma around trust and relationships. You knew that, and you still acted really incautiously with my heart. And LaSalle's is sort of like, sorry, but like I meant everything I said, and me backtracking is just like logistical. Like I got to figure things out. And she's like, well, maybe you should have just like thought about that. <laughs> before you said all this stuff and we reached this point and after this they agree to kind of just enjoy the date resolve things in a good place they wake up the next morning 
very cozy in the same bed. And then LaSalle's just like, let's just make sure we're on the same page again. And oh I literally God. like recoiled from the screen. I was like, LaSalle's, <laughs> do not try to have a big talk about this relationship. You can't handle it. Yeah, just stop. Just let this play out. I'm also going to say, uh, per Instagram, it seems that LaSalle's is still living in New York. So Mm-mm-mm. maybe it's just <laughs> I don't logistical. know when filming wrapped, but. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Ash is in a hot tub with Taylor getting massaged. And they're like, Hanya would never have done this. What would Hanya have done, Ash? Besides introduce you to hot women as my friend. Yeah, nothing good. Free yourself. Um, And they're like, you know, I'm ready to not be a sidekick. I'm ready to like, you know, not be with someone who holds me to a different standard. And then over dinner, Taylor and Ash kind of open up about their feelings for each other. And... Ash tells Taylor that they feel very intensely for him. And he says, I don't want to hurt anyone because it seems they have decided not to leave together. And Ash says, you're not hurting me. And Taylor says, with tears in his eyes, I care about you. You're like no one I've ever met before. I want you to carry it with you. And when it's time or you need me, call me. This was such a sweet exchange. Like they really seem on the same page. They really seem to have both like really benefited from the relationship, but also are being realistic yeah, about the bounds of that and, like, not dragging it out. And it just seems really nice. Yeah. There is, like, a maturity there that is refreshing. And meanwhile, Hanya and Luke out ring shopping for Hanya specifically. Luke is there for moral support. And the delusion, the delusion, the levels. This is like when people are like, our relationship is really going down the tubes. We should have a baby. <laughs> like that is what this reminds me of. Hanya's just like, well, I was the problem in our relationship and I fixed myself. So now we're going to get married. And I'm sure that <laughs> Ash will feel the same way. And so Hanya picks out a ring. Luke is like, that's incredible. You've never even considered marriage before this. And now you're ready Iris and I actually have been talking about marriage. We've been together for a long time. I think this process has really answered all of the remaining questions about our relationship. So maybe I should just get a ring, like, and see, you know, if the if the conversation goes that way, then I'll be ready. I actually appreciated Luke's attitude here so much more that Same. it was sort of just like, I know that I want to, but obviously there are a lot of, you know, ways this conversation could go. But I want to feel prepared and want to put that effort in now. Like, I should do that. Yeah. But, yeah, there's also room for Iris to have her say about what she wants. There seems like like, more awareness that Iris's journey might have taken her on a different path. Yeah. And I also appreciated that clearly, like, this is a couple that did communicate well about what their boundaries were and where it might end up. Like, they – and they both respected that. Yes, absolutely. I really did not think that Luke was going to do well in this setting, but um, I'm impressed. What can I say? (laughs) Can't wait to see how the final conversation goes. After ring shopping, they have their double dinner date with Paige and Karina. They reveal that they bought rings. Karina looks (laughs) aghast. aghast. She's like, I'm so excited for you. 
interview time, I don't think Hanya's ready to be husband. <laughs> She's like, from what I've seen over the last few days, like, he should not be proposing to anyone. I will say it seems that Ash and Karina have become friends post-show. <laughs> so. Ash knows a real one when they say one. what he will. <laughs> Karina then asks Hanya what he thinks Ash will say, and he says, quote, I think she'll say yes. Delusion. I wrote, Hanya world. <laughs> Full Hanya world. They didn't even send him a video message. No. Ugh. Hanya's like, I think it's just because they felt too deeply for me. Yeah. That's what it is. They felt so ashamed that they explored something with another man. <laughs> and that's probably why. And they're probably just stewing in their remorse and shame. And when I show up with a ring, they'll be like, thank God I didn't lose you, Hanya, the center of my world. I can't. Oh Iris and Deke, uh, speaking of Luke and Iris uh, and their relationship, Iris seems to be on the same page as Luke, which is like, I'm technically on a date, but it's really just a great opportunity for me and Deke to hang out by the pool and talk about my boyfriend. <laughs> and if he's really ready for me to take him back at the end, because if so, then like, yes, that will probably be happening. But if not, you know, I guess I'll have to be strong and not take him back. Yeah, this is just like real friend vibes. Yeah. Deke is just like, I see how this is going. That's fine. Fair enough. I'm just here to sit next to this hot woman in a bikini and be like, demand you better for yourself, girl. World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jillian and Tommy go zip lining, and she... Her mood is off, understandably. She seems genuinely shaken by what she saw between Edgar and Marissa. And she also says that when she's watching this date back on the after show, she's like, it just really changed my mindset. And I was so, like, kind of disgusted to see that from him that, like, I – she's like, it didn't make me want to, like, be really physical with Tommy. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't uh, seem like the vibe is very – Sensual and Super fun touchy. and playful. Yeah. Edgar seems to have the opposite uh, instinct when he yeah. sees things. It's actually interesting. I feel like Edgar and Jillian actually have pretty opposite reactions to how people do and should act in relationships. Like, yeah, he sees her hooking up with Tommy and he's like, now I'm going to hook up even more. And she sees him hook up with Marissa and she's like, now I feel like gross and no longer wish to have sex with anyone. <laughs> and also during the after show you mentioned, she seems really troubled by the fact that Edgar acts the same way with Marissa that he did in their relationship that he did toward her. And Edgar seems really put off in the show that Jillian acts differently with Tommy. Like he's like, yeah. I don't recognize that Jillian. That's not Jillian. And Jillian is like, I recognize that too much. And it's almost like Edgar wants, feels like, oh, she's being fake. Like, that was a front for me. The woman that I thought I was in love with, that was just an ideal. And for Jillian, I think she's like, oh, everything that I thought was so specialized and, and for me, that his love for I me can, I can was just special. Be swapped out. Right. I can like, just be I was just a for prop for his, like, romantic hero persona. <sighs> this was always going to end in tears, basically. Yeah. Um, over dinner... Jillian tells Tommy that she wants to keep seeing him after the show. She's like, I think we could work well together, but 
I don't know if you feel the same. And Tommy says, quote, I've loved this entire experience. Being with you has been enjoyable. Enjoyable. And then he says, we're friends. (laughs) So uh, if I wrote that something was enjoyable in an email to a colleague, I would feel like that was not enthusiastic enough. Like, oh, getting coffee with you was enjoyable. I'd be like, oh, I'd have, no, that's. Yeah, Yeah, for some reason, enjoyable. Why is it that enjoyable feels like an attack? Like it feels like an active lie. Like if you choose the word enjoyable, you're basically saying, I care not, I give not two shits about There's no enthusiasm in it. It sounds clinical. You're like, it was an experience I enjoyed. So I would say it was enjoyable. But it does. It carries no passion, and there's no like, oh my god, what a what a blast! It's what a been. yeah, what a crazy few weeks we've had. Like not even that. Yeah, there's an emotional remove. Oh, poor Jillian. He's been slowly extracting himself, and she takes it like a champ. She knew this was coming, and she's like, you know, I still want to talk when we leave. We'll figure out what that looks like for us. And he's like, yep. <laughs> my guess is they're not talking at all. That would. be my guess as well. Yeah. Edgar and Marissa go horseback riding. This date was (laughs) absolutely incredible to me because I think that Edgar's capacity for self-mythologizing was so abundantly on display. They're riding horses. He's like, we both love horseback riding. And it fuels me a little bit to know Marissa loves horseback riding just as much as I do. And then he's like, you he, know, I had wanted to go back to Jillian, but right now, I don't know if that is what I oh, want. Oh, did you? Oh, oh, you did. Okay. Hmm. You really set yourself up well. Well, it's like he's making it into this little dramatic turn. And I'm like, you just told Marissa like two episodes ago that you were going to pick her at the end. So like, spare me the, the histrionics here. But I'm so over him. But also I'm the whole so thing over where him. he's just, I'm sorry, the fact that you both like horseback riding is Means not jack shit unless you plan to like open a, a a dude ranch or something and you're like it's really important to me to share my life with someone who can run a dude ranch with me it's a hobby dude like it's not this like grand <laughs> sign from the universe that you're meant to be together but like he loves just like writing a little like dramatic story I, about this it actually like repels me I'm less into him with every passing moment. Everything that makes you like Edgar at the beginning makes it more upsetting. Exactly. As it continues and it and it curdles. Um, but again, I was Edgar, and, and so I do hope that he grows up a little bit. Over dinner, um, Marissa is like, I want to be in your life forever. And he says, I'm not leaving as long as you don't leave. And she's like, this date has been the best experience of my life. Marissa's in it deep. I don't know when that happened. Oh, yeah. She's very in it. After the night, they wake up together, cozy, sensual. Marissa says, me and Edgar got to enjoy every room in the house. And that's all I'll say. Hmm. Is that all you'll say, Marissa? Also, I love the after show. It is so illuminating. Jillian <laughs> gets really upset at this, and she's like, cool. Um, after the show, Edgar told me at first that they didn't have sex at all during the overnight date. Then he backtracked 
Then he said they did have sex, but like only that one time. And she's like, and now I'm seeing that they clearly just had a ton of sex. And so he's just like been lying to me. Even after the show, I'm like, this dude sucks. Sucks. He sucks. I just don't think that you should get to act that, like, that tender and poetic and emotional about what a great lover you are and, like, the romantic hero position that you see yourself in and, like, the love that you deserve. If you're so, like, dishonest with women that you claim to be in love with. Yeah, that doesn't – that actually makes you the villain. Yeah. I don't don't like it. Um. I need the final bonfire right away. I want to know oh my how God. this is all going to play out. Guys, I love this show so much. Like, inject it into my <laughs> veins. I love it. I'm so invested. What are our predictions? Iris, Iris and, and Luke. Luke. I'm going to say they're going to get engaged. I think so, I too. Think. Because I think that once they're able to actually talk face-to-face, they're going to be able to complete some of the thoughts that they have yeah. seen only partially from each other and and. I think they're going to feel that they actually did come to a place of agreement on some of their big issues. And he's going to be like, let's get married. And she'll be like, oh, my God, Lukey, I love you so much. That's 100%. I I agree. Jillian and Edgar. I see them breaking up. I mean, they have to break up. They better break up. They better fucking break up. I think Jillian's going to leave alone. Yeah. Uh, I think Hager is going to leave with Marissa, to be honest. Like, the way that they have been Same. promising to each other that they'll leave together. Edgar really sees himself as someone with a girlfriend. I don't think he's going to want to break. There could be a wild card of them reuniting and leaving together. But if they do, I don't think I it think they're long. broken up by now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that they will. They're both so angry at each other at this point. It's hard to see how a final conversation could go in a way other than them breaking up. Yeah, I, I really don't. I don't see it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they broke up, left separately, and then after the show had, like, rekindled briefly, had sex a few times, had conversations, like, did the sort of, like, off-camera closure thing. But I don't think they're together. Yeah. What about Hanya and Ash? Hanya is going to propose and get <laughs> rejected, and they're both going to leave alone. I really hope that he manages to get a proposal out and that it's not a situation where it's so clear that it's not going to be received that he doesn't even get a chance because I want to see that happen. Oh, my God. I want to see Ash's face as Hanya kneels and holds out the hammered metal work ring. My God. And it's like, I finally know that you're the person that I want by my side. And Ash is just like, what the (laughs) actual fuck are you doing? Um. Yeah. LaSalle's and Ashley are my biggest question mark, actually. Yeah. I think because of the fact that Ashley still wants to consider working things out with LaSalle's. And LaSalle's has said repeatedly that he doesn't want to, but he also is incapable of saying the same thing two days in a row. Yeah, and I, I just do don't think trust he has that he even knows himself. I think he has a weakness for whoever's in front of him. So I exactly. do— worry that once he's talking to Ashley and seeing how affected she was I think he's going to be like oh right there's a reason I dated this person like in his mind he completely taps out he's like she doesn't exist she's a person in in the past (laughs) yeah she's who just simply has to be briefly dealt with and then he's gonna see her and be like (laughs) oh I hurt my partner of seven years (laughs) 
Honestly, it's chilling to watch. I feel like I would just be like, oh, even if he decides he made a mistake and he comes back to me, this is just a preview of what would happen if I died suddenly. Was he'd be like, well, that person doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. All right, moving on. Time to head to LA. That's so dark. Um, <laughs> uh, I think about these things too much, probably. Um, but yeah, I say I would. I think that if I had to guess, it's going to be a crazy, messy meeting, and that he is going to try to leave with Trace, and. Ashley is going to be like, whatever, you suck. I'm leaving by myself. I don't need a man. And that Trace will be like, I can't trust you. So I need to leave on my own too. Yeah, I kind of think, if anything, he's going to end up being like left Maybe that's wishful thinking because I do think he needs to be alone. He 100% needs to be alone. But I also could see them leaving alone but haven't gotten back together since. I absolutely could see. And honestly, you didn't specify which one. I could see him being with either of them at this point. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was thinking of of Ashley specifically because he does seem to still be living in New York. And just like the way that in the after show, he's clearly horrified by his behavior. That's true. But his behavior was not great for either of them. That's true. It was bad towards everyone. So it really could go either way. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I can't wait to find out. One more week. Let's do this. That brings us to the end of uh, of this episode. That's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Habib and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clarenemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, and suggestions for any shows you'd like to see us cover in the batch off-season. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at clarenemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose, And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week with more gossip and more on The Courtship and Temptation Island. Can you keep up? I like love Stitcher. Streaming May 23rd only on BET Plus. Miss Pat is back. I'm excited. <laughs> and it's time for some grown ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. Dad, you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pat Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET Plus. To sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.